Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so happy you are here today. It is a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen. I didn't hear you at all. It's a great day to praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? Hey, much better. Let's stand and worship him together.
favorite gospel hymn in the whole wide world. I love it because I can actually kind of sing along with it. And because it tells a story, the most wonderful story in the whole wide world to know about, I just love it. How many other? This is your favorite gospel hymn. Let me see your hands. It's good to know there are other spiritual people in the crowd. (laughs) The rest of you, we have an invitation at the end of the service to repent of your sins. We have several people to pray for, so before we're seated, we're going to ask for prayer for Laura Stecker. Her sister, unfortunately, passed away last night, and a very sudden illness, and uh, so she's going to try to go to be with her in Texas. We have two Monicas to pray for, uh, Monica Oliver-Smith, uh, who is recuperating at home from surgery. We got some of her kiddos here uh, and her mom. Then uh, Monica Medina also recovering from surgery. Both of them have responded well to the surgery thus far. Cesar and Cynthia, where are you folks? Where are you? Right there on the aisle, getting ready to go to the Philippine Islands for a month. And their prayer is for safety for their trip. But also, they've got a lot of loved ones and friends there that they want to plant the gospel seed and see if the Holy Spirit won't bring forth a harvest and some of their friends and family members receive Christ as their personal Savior. And today, we're talking about how to win someone to Jesus Christ. And so, it's a very important day for all of us, hopefully. And then, Madison and Haley, Carney, where are you folks? We in the very, very back, and we've got a new little first-time visitor, one month old today. So uh, let's, let's welcome the new little baby. <clears throat> We're glad to have them here. <clears throat> so would you join me in a word of prayer as we bow our heads together? Our Heavenly Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the blessings of life. And those of us who have not experienced the death of a family member or a close friend, those of us who have our health, who've not just had surgery, Those of us who are able to walk and able to take care of business and able to go up flights of stairs and able to be in your house today, we just thank you and we praise you for that. Lord, we know it's simply your grace uh, that we're not experiencing what others are experiencing right now. We pray your blessings upon each name that we mentioned, whether it's loss of loved one or whether it's uh, some physical healing that's necessary and needed, recognizing that you are the only healer and that you created our bodies in such a way that our bodies can mend themselves, and that you've given special knowledge to doctors and nurses and those who care for our physical needs who are able to perform surgeries in some cases that are, uh, that are instrumental in saving our lives or prolonging our lives. So we thank you, Father, for your blessings, for your glory, that inward uh, reality of who you are, that outward manifestation of what you do and what you're able to do. Father, we just thank you that we can know you as our Lord, as our God, as our Savior, as our King, as our coming Prince of Peace and and the power that's above every power. So we thank you, Father, for letting us serve you and worship you today. May you be glorified in this service and we'll thank you for it. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. If you're watching by way of Facebook, or YouTube. We want to say thank you for doing so. Hope that you'll be able to join us very soon right here at 445 C Avenue in beautiful, sunny Coronado. 
Yeah, finally. We had, our, we had our winter, didn't we? It was raining last week. So we had our winter. We got that out of the way. We're glad to have you all here. So I want to share a couple of things with you. But before I do, if you are a first-time guest accepting uh, the month-old baby who probably is not going to be able to do this, I know, I know that baby's bright and, and, and everything, but probably can't fill out the visitor card yet. But if you are a first-time guest here, if you wouldn't mind filling out the visitor card, there are the seat backs in front of you. Give us contact information. What we will do uh, is send you a gift card in appreciation for you filling that out. So we're so glad that you're here today. I was standing out front welcoming people as I often do, and four kids came up, and I was saying, boy, it's good to see you. Thanks for coming today. Thanks for joining us today. And they walked right on by. <clears throat> and then I saw the parents coming. They're kind of looking at me like, what? So be careful. You might get waved in here. So maybe somebody in here who didn't mean to come to church today, but uh, kind of pulled you in. So we're glad to have everyone here, of course. Let me give you a couple of announcements. Uh, Holy Communion today at the end of the service uh, after the message. So prepare your hearts right now. Make sure that you examine yourselves. Make sure that if there's any kind of uh, sin in your life that you need to repent of, that you would do so before a holy God. And if there's anyone that you have an issue with that you would covenant with God to make it right with that person at your earliest opportunity. After the Holy Communion, then there's another kind of communion, and that's a military meal out on the patio. By the way, the teens have their class this morning. So if you're a a middle school or high schooler uh, on the patio, you have a class right now, feel free to go ahead and be dismissed at any point. Bible studies this week are in the bulletin, but it's Tuesday, Navigator Tuesday night, Wednesday, uh, BSF in the morning, uh, and Men of Resolution in the evening. Thursday, Nancy Trotter's Bible study at her home, interesting study she's got going. David Waitley on Thursday night. And then Friday, Ladies Bible Study also here. So we've got lots of opportunities if you want to get deep, dig deeper into the Word of God. Next Sunday, going to be preaching on the centurion. Getting back to where we left off last November on the life of Christ, going systematically through a study of what happened in those, uh, in those three years about that Christ was upon the earth that we know about as public ministry. Ladies Retreat, March the 1st through the 3rd. Darlene, are you in here? Who knows? She's out there probably. I'm not sure if this is the last week or next week will be the last to to register, but I would, if you're interested in going, ladies, from March the 1st through the 3rd, uh, you need to register today to make certain of that. Uh, And she's out at the table in the back. Uh, I think there's one more week and registrations will close. Money will be due for that. $150. Church is picking up $42, so it was, was $192, so we're trying to help you out a little bit to be able to go. March the 9th at 5 p.m., Chula Vista Amphitheater. Franklin Graham will be speaking. Hope that you're able to be there for that at 5 p.m. We've got a missionary report. Uh, do we have the map? Do we have the slide on, on, the, on the, the map? Uh, I want to show you where in relation to uh, Israel and the conflict that's going on. Of course, Hezbollah is up in Lebanon. Lebanon in the blue. You'll see Beirut with a star. That's where we have a missionary. Uh, we support him $770 a month from First Baptist Church. We're one of his biggest supporters. Uh, but you can see uh, the proximity to Israel. And, and of course, uh, Hezbollah has been launching missiles uh, from Lebanon, which is threatening to draw Lebanon into the war in the Middle East. So I want you to pray for him. Now we've got a video of the missionary. His name is Marwan, and his wife's name is Marcy. And here's, here's the video. 
Hello, Pastor Jim, and greetings to you saints at FBC Coronado. Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Marwan, and I am the lead pastor of City Bible Church. Uh, the Lord was kind to use my wife and I uh, to see this church planted. And, and before I say anything else, I just want to say thank you uh, for your partnership, your support of us over these many years. Uh, truly, we are not able to do the things that the Lord has called us to do uh, here in Lebanon without without your partnership. And so I want to say thank you for laboring alongside us for the sake of the gospel here in Beirut, Lebanon. Now, I just want to send a quick update to let you know how we're doing uh, in, in the midst of all these things that you're hearing about on the news. Uh, I know, Pastor Jim, thank you for reaching out, as, as you often do, uh, especially when something maybe comes comes up uh, on, on, on the media. And there's that explosion uh, in, in Lebanon, an attack uh, that happened oh, about, about a mile or so from where we live uh, here in the city of Beirut. Um, now, thankfully, well, we, we're, it's very strange here. Uh, we're not so affected uh, in, in some ways, uh, because life continues and it's, uh, we, we must, even though uh, there's a, a war and just tragedies happening just a few hours south of us. Um, and yet those underlying stressors are felt every day. I, I, we feel them as a family. I'm certainly um, mindful of them as a pastor, caring for, for many within the church, the changes here. Um, th this conflict, we're not sure uh, what will happen, uh, but, but we have seen God's faithfulness uh, through many things that we have not been sure what would happen uh, in the life of our time here uh, as, as a family and as a church with explosion, revolution, economic collapse. Um, what the Lord has shown us is that he will continue to work. Uh, he will continue to build his church. Uh, and, and Marcy and I have been encouraged to try to uh, set our hope and our, and, our, and our mind on the things that are certain rather than dwelling on the things that are uncertain. So uh, pray for us uh, that, that the Lord will persevere us we continue to serve him faithfully in joy. Pray for peace, uh, both in our country and in this region, because uh, truly, uh, by the time that you watch this video, uh, something could change for the worse, and the entire region uh, kind of is engulfed in war. Um, and pray for the gospel to continue, that, that believers here in Lebanon, within our church, within the country, and, and even in the region, would be faithful in these times to po point others uh, to, to Christ. And so... Um, Hope to dialogue more other times. If there's anything you, you need from us, uh, please uh, don't hesitate to reach out. Keep us in your prayers. Uh, thank you that you have been doing that. And look forward to the next time the Lord will allow us to, uh, to, to connect again in person. May God bless you, church. Uh, thank you so much. And that's uh, Marwan and Marcy, I think it's Zilof, Abdul Zilof. And we've been supporting them that I'm aware of for at least for nine years uh, in a very important part of the Middle East. And... Uh, so we, they, of course, minister largely to um, Arabs in Lebanon and also to Christian communities. There are several Christian communities in Lebanon. Uh, in addition, because of the faithfulness of uh, the giving of, of the members of First Baptist Church, not only were we able to support missionaries like this, but we just wrote a check this week for $1,000 to Professor Craig Dunning, uh, from Mission University, formerly Baptist Bible College, my alma mater. Uh, and he has been for the last week in Israel, touring the Gaza Strip, the uh, Israel itself, witnessing, uh, witnessing nonstop as they are feeding IDF troops, Israeli defense uh, troops, um, hamburgers, pizzas. Uh, they'll just go into an area and start cooking up uh, a whole bunch of food. And, and that's so appreciated 
uh, in the battlefront. So uh, we were able to send $1,000 to them in the name of First Baptist Church. So thank you for your giving. Thank you for remembering. And you know what? We know Israel is God's people, but we know also that God loves Arabs and God loves Buddhists and God loves uh, he, he, he loves people. He loves humanity. And so as much as possible, we want to get the gospel to everybody that we possibly can. We've got some new tracks that we put on this back table. Uh, some of them are, you may like them or you may not, kind of a comic book form, but they are truths that are illustrated in, in that way. And one of them is about loving Israel. So if you want to, go ahead and pick those up, read it. Uh, but the caveat is you have to then give it away to somebody. So don't just take them home and put them in a drawer. Uh, read them, uh, appreciate them, and then give them out as a witnessing tool to try to win other people to Jesus Christ. Let's stand. We'll continue to worship the Lord in song. Oh, 
what singing is for, partially, is to praise the great name of Jesus our Savior. It's not just to fill the service with something. It's to fill it with glorifying God, worshiping Him and praising Him. So even if you're not able to sing on tune, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Doesn't have to be in any particular key. All right, thank you. You may be seated. Young men and young ladies, come on down here for just a moment. I've got something I want to give to you. And I hope it'll be something that'll help you and help other people. And look at the kids we got here. Let's give them a hand. Got a bunch of kids today. All right. Come on down here and stand right by all around the pulpit here. And I've got something. How many, first of all, let's find out how many of you kids have a best friend? Let me see your hands. You have a best friend. Okay. All right, good deal. How many of you are a best friend to somebody else, okay? I've got this little, and we're going to talk about telling people about Jesus and how to tell people about Jesus. So I've got these I'm going to give to you, but I just want to start off reading a little bit about it. It's, it's two little kids here, and I think it's two girls, and they say, I've got a new best friend. And the other friend says, but wait a minute, what about me? I thought I was your best friend. And then the girl said, but this friend is different. Let me tell you about him. He loves me and is going to take care of me forever, even after I die. He promised to help me whenever I'm in trouble. And he's building me a beautiful mansion to live in in heaven. And he can make a mansion? Sure. He made everything, even you and me. So the girl says, what's his name? And the other girl says, it's Jesus. Can I tell you about him now? So here's what I want to do. I want you kiddos to take one of these, and I want you to read the whole story. That was just part of the story, but I want you to read the whole thing, and then I want you to give it away to someone, maybe your best friend, maybe not a best friend. Um, Pat, I'm going to need those other ones too. Uh, They're actually back on the back table, I think, or in the track rack or something. Okay, don't go away. We got some more coming. We got some more coming. So when you get these, uh, get an opportunity, read them and and know about them and then find out your best friend and go ahead and give them one of these and let them know. Because if you, you know what, if they're your best friend, you want them to be with you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, right? In heaven one day. So there we go. Everybody got them. Anybody else didn't get one? Anybody didn't get one? Okay, let's pray that when you give this to your best friend, that they read it and they want to know more about Jesus. So would you bow your heads with me and let's close our eyes. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that Jesus loved us and paid the price for our sins so that we could be saved, we could have all of our sins forgiven, and we could live with God forever and ever and ever in heaven. We ask you to bless each one of these young men and young ladies, and when they give these tracts to a friend, that the friend would read it and want to know more about Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. And all the kids said? Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and go to your classes right over here. God bless you. Thank you. Good to have you all here with us today. want to mention also there's some of these kind of invitations that are uh, on the back tables. Go ahead and take those. That's for the Franklin Graham uh, thing in Chula Vista. And I think it's it's got a name, but they keep changing it. So it's the... Something Credit Union, the amphitheater, North Island Credit Union, 
in Chula Vista. Go figure. Okay. All right. There we go. So today, how to win someone to Jesus Christ. And I want to start out by reading what Mark had to say in the gospel uh, uh, named Mark in chapter 16, verse 15. And he, that is Jesus, said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a real short and sweet verse. He said, go ye. This is an imperative. This is not optional. It's not saying, you know what, it'd be a good thing if you feel like it to go out and tell people about Jesus. It's not saying, well, if you get a chance and you don't feel too inhibited by it, go ahead and tell people about the Lord. It, it's not that. It says, go you. You go into the world, an imperative. And it's a command. You guys in the military, gals and gals, know anything about commands in the military? Yeah, not much. Okay. Um, <laughs> Go preach the gospel. What is the gospel? The good news. The good news is more than the death of Christ. In fact, when you stop and think about it, if it was only the death of Christ, that doesn't sound like very good news. The death and the burial of Christ, that still doesn't sound like very good news. The death, burial, and the resurrection, now we're getting there. That's beginning to sound pretty good. He died, he was buried, he rose again. But that's not the entire gospel according to the word of God. There's one more step, and that is the second coming, the fact that Jesus is coming back again, the second advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's the good news, the death, burial, resurrection, and return to the earth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we are to tell people, we're to go into all the world all the earth, and tell people and preach the gospel to every creature, Arab, Jew, atheist, agnostic, Christian, uh, whatever it might be. We're to tell the gospel. The life's mission that each of us have as Christians is to fulfill what is called, in some places by some people, the Great Commission. It's found in one form or another in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in the book of Acts, which is the first history book of the New Testament. So Mark's, these five references together uh, give us a complete message of the visionary mission uh, and the scope of the mission at hand. We have a responsibility. You and I have a responsibility to take the gospel to every creature. Now, we can't all be omnipresent. We can't any of us be omnipresent. Only God is. But what we can do is send missionaries to Beirut, Lebanon, send missionaries to Tel Aviv, Israel, send missionaries to Mexico City, send missionaries to the Philippine Islands. You guys, by the way, you are hereby deputized as official missionaries of the First Baptist Church of Coronado. I probably won't be sending you support, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> go, go ahead. And, and so we're to take the visionary message uh, to everyone. Mark's words were sh shown in Mark chapter 16. We read a moment ago. That was spoken in the upper room, and it was followed by Jesus' words as recorded by John when he says in John 20, 21, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. You see, there was a time when Jesus became a missionary. There was a time when he came into this world, when he pre-existent. There's never been a time that Jesus has not existed, never. Uh, and so he pre-existed, but he became incarnate, enrobed in flesh, occupying the body of a little baby that was prepared specially for him in the womb of the Virgin Mary, supernaturally conceived there. And, and that's when he became that missionary to this world. And he came, left heaven's glory, came down to this earth, and there was born and grew up 
uh, reasoned with the doctors when he was 12, 12 years of age, and then at 30, launched into a public ministry. Peace be unto you, as my father, he says, has sent me, even so send I you, talking to the apostles. So we have Mark's words, we have John's words, then we have Luke in the 24th chapter, verse 47. What repentance and re- that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. So, starting right here where you are, you are witnesses of the things you have served, uh, seen, the things you have heard, the things that you see me do. You are witnesses, be witnesses into all the world, starting right here. Now, Matthew expresses it just a little bit differently. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. So we're not only, uh, they were not only just commanded to preach the gospel, we were also commanded to preach the gospel. And, but they were also to disciple those who believe, and we are to disciple those who believe. So we're going to all the world and, and preach the gospel, teaching them. That's the discipleship to observe all things whatsoever uh, he, he had given us. And so we, we're to indoctrinate people. That's not a bad thing. Indoctrination in truth is a good thing. Indoctrination means you're building into the lives and the hearts and the minds of children, teens, and adults the words of God, the doctrine, the teaching of the Word of God. So the, the four Gospels have reference to this Great Commission. Last of all, according to Luke, who was the author of the book of Acts, he said in, in chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So he starts right there uh, where the other gospels are, right here where you are. You're to be witnesses here in Jerusalem. That's our Jerusalem, literally. We have our Jerusalem is Coronado. Your Jerusalem might be Chula Vista. It might be National City. It might be Imperial Beach. Um, it might be San Diego. That's your Jerusalem, your immediate area of influence where you live and work and move. Um, and, and then we're to move out from there to, the, to Samaria, which was uh, an adjacent area, which by by the way, was not friendly to, or the Jews were not friendly to Samaria because they were of a different ethnicity, and so they didn't want anything to do with them, uh, and, and that's why that story of the Good Samaritan is so powerful because it was the, not the priest that stopped and helped the man who was broken. It was not the Levite who stopped and helped the man who had been robbed. It was, in fact, the Samaritan, the one who theoretically would have no dealings uh, with this Jewish individual who had been beaten up. Uh, so, so he says, take the gospel, not only to your immediate area, but then go on into Samaria, kind of uh, hit, hit the areas of, of different ethnicities and, and different nationalities. And then from there, uh, from Judah to, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, then to the uttermost parts of the world. Take it to Beirut, Lebanon. Uh, take it to Australia. Take it to Japan. Take it everywhere that you go. This defines, uh, defines the scope of the mission God has given. No wonder it's called the Great Commission. So what? We have seven or eight billion people on the face of the earth. I can't keep track. Uh, but we've got a bunch of people. We have a responsibility. First Baptist Church of Coronado has a responsibility to get the gospel into the uttermost parts of the world. So something is found in the Holy Scriptures one time 
Is it important or not? Absolutely. If it's one time, it's important. If it's five times, the number of grace, five, if it's found five times, it seems to me like that ought to make it super important. We're to witness, we're to win all people to Christ at all times and in all places. And so as, as you, you folks that are in the military, as you get transferred from duty station to duty station and, and maybe different countries even, you're to be, you're, you are representing the United States Navy. But let me tell you something, if you're born again, you're also representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are a missionary. It's like, uh, it's like uh, Dave, where's Dave Pitilka? Dave, where are you? Yeah, are you in the volunteer fire department there in Washington? Yes? Okay. So, so uh, when, when you're in the, do you stay at the firehouse or do you stay home? You stay at home. Okay. That won't work for that illustration. <laughs> Let's suppose the, Corn- the fire station at Coronado Caves are right here in Coronado. Let's suppose they're not fighting a fire. What are they doing? Hanging out, polishing the truck, waxing the truck, sweeping the firehouse, cooking meals, playing cards. Obviously not Baptist, right? Uh, just kidding. Just kidding on that one. Uh, okay. So, so if you go ask them, what's your job here? Well, I, I wax fire trucks. No, your job is to fight fires. You're waxing the truck while you're waiting to fight a fire. What's your job? What are you doing? Well, I'm a cook. No, you're not. You're a firefighter. You're, you're cooking because it's mealtime. There's no fires to fight. But see, that's the whole point. So you go as a, uh, an officer. You go as uh, enlisted to some other duty station, some other port, whatever. You become, uh, you are the United States Navy going there. But guess what? You also represent the Lord. Your, your job is to fight eternal fires. Your job is to give the gospel out. Whatever. And I know you have to be careful in the military. I know that. You can't, you can't get up and preach in the barracks probably. Um, although we had a guy, uh, Neil Dyer. How many of you know Neil Dyer? Some, some of you do? Okay. Well, when I first met him nine years ago, he came to church here. His wife was a Christian, a little petite young lady had a baby to dedicate to the Lord. I had dedicated this lady to the Lord when she was a baby at my other church. And so I had the honor of dedicating her baby. Her husband, six foot five, branded, tatted, seal, atheist. Atheist. I mean, didn't believe nada, right? And so uh, that was in May. In July, had the privilege of baptizing him as a brother in Jesus Christ, born-again believer. And he was a master chief with a SEAL team, so he would order cases of Christian books, pass them out to his guys, and say, you have to read this. It's a required reading. <laughs> so if you can get away with it, you know, run with it. So, uh, but it's our job to tell people, as, and it's in the scriptures five different times. So witness to all people at all times and all places as much as you possibly can. But the question is this, do we do that at all? Do we take seriously the Great Commission? Do we understand if people don't receive Christ as a personal Savior, they're going to a burning, fiery, literally, literal hell, rather. Do we understand that? And, and if we do not win people to Christ or at least plant the gospel seed, it's not our job to win. It's our job to plant the seed. It's God's job to bring it to fruition. But if we're not planting the seed, 
Why aren't we? Is it because we don't know how? If that's the case, that's why I'm preaching this message today, to teach you one method of several on how to win people to Jesus Christ. Is it because you're too timid and too shy? Is it because you're afraid you're going to run them off? I heard an evangelist say one time, you don't witness to people because you're afraid you're going to run them off. Where are you going to run them off to? There is no hell number two. <laughs> there is no hell number three. They're already going to hell if they're lost. Do we not witness because we're concerned we're going to mess up and confuse people? Do we, does the devil hinder us? Actually, probably all those things and more if we were to sit here and, and analyze it. So let's remedy this first concern of I don't know how. How do we witness to someone? How do we win someone to Christ? First of all, first point is this. Tell them they're lost. Tell them they're lost. If they don't know they're lost, they won't try to be saved. Uh, the terminology is important. Uh, I, I became a Christian, First Baptist Church, Chicago Heights, Illinois, when I was about eight years old. We moved from that area to Crete, Illinois. From Crete, Illinois, there were no gospel-preaching churches. I joined a particular church, uh, was confirmed in that church, and then started going years later to a Baptist mission, a startup young mission church. And as I was going there, the one of the young ladies there, my age, was in my high school, was a cheerleader in my high school. Cute young girl, and during the, and I wasn't used to. I'd been in this modernist uh, denomination, and so first of all, preachers didn't yell uh, in this modernist denomination I was in, and it didn't get all excited and slap his Bible and pound it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so this guy was up there going and blowing, and I was like, "Holy cow!" <laughs> and then at the end of the service, he said, "Now bow your head and close your eyes," and I'm like, "Yeah, right." I bowed my head a little bit and kept my eyes wide open. I saw that cheerleader coming around from the front, coming down, coming in my aisle. And I'm like, holy cow, what's going on here? And she came up and she said, are you saved? And I thought real quick, what's the opposite of being saved? Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> now, I was, but I didn't know the terminology. So it's important that we understand the terminology. So it, it could be that they, they don't know for sure they're a Christian. They don't know for sure their sins are forgiven. They don't know for sure they're going to heaven. Um, but you got to get them lost before they get saved. Uh, the, the, those who are well don't go to a physician, right? That's not normally the case. In fact, it says that in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12. People have to realize they're sick, they're ill, in order to go seek medical help. So here's how you let them know they are lost. In Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. I make it a point to tell whoever I'm witnessing to, I am a sinner. I am a sinner just like everybody else. There's none righteous, no, not one. There are none that understand. There's none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There's none that does good, no, not one. I don't know how many times I didn't count it, saying none, no, not any, none. It's, it's just that those two verses are, are riddled with those words. So there are none who are righteous of their own accord. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, people know they're sinners. Um, they know that they've sinned. They know that they've done wrong. In Isaiah, he said it this way in the Old Testament, but we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. We do all we, we, we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away, and there's none that doeth good, 
none that call upon your name, none that stirs himself up to take hold of you. For you have hid your face from us and have consumed us because of our iniquities. So you, tell, you let someone know you're lost. You need a Savior. Now, what some people are going to say at this point, you know what? I'm not that bad a person. I'm a pretty good husband. I'm a pretty good dad. I, I, I'm a good neighbor. I, I'm pretty good on the road. Uh, I'm pretty good at most things. Uh, not so much on the highway, but I'm, I'm pretty. I'm not as bad as anybody. So at this point, then, then one of these, I can't remember who it was now. Somebody's going to tell me after the service, but, huh? Yeah, Ray Comfort says, ask them, have you ever told a lie? Well, if they say no, you say, gotcha. <laughs> They're going to say, yeah. So what does that make you? A liar. So then you ask him, have you ever used God's name in vain? Some way other than praising him. Well, so what does that make you? A blasphemer. Have you ever looked at someone to lust after them? They'll usually get real uncomfortable right about that point. And they'll say, if they're honest, yes, I have. And you'll say, well, then you're an adulterer. So why should God let a lying, blaspheming adulterer into heaven? Pretty powerful argument, I think. And he wouldn't. For whosoever shall keep the whole law, James says, and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. For he that said, does not, do not commit adultery also said, do not kill. Now, if you commit no adultery, yet if you kill, art thou become a transgressor of the law? So if, if you can imagine keeping every commandment that God has ever made except for one. What he's saying here is, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James has written down, then you're guilty of the entire law. You stand guilty and condemned before God. So tell them they're lost. Secondly, tell them we're all going to die. That's not a revelation to anybody who's a realist. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages, what are wages? Wages are what you get when you work and you earn some kind of payment. And so when you work a week, you get a week's worth of wages minus what uh, the government takes out, which is quite a bit. And so, so you, you, you work. Because you're a sinner, you're going to have to die one day. And Hebrews author says in chapter 9, verse 27, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So it's not a pleasant thought to confront the reality that we're all going to die, but you've got to do it. Uh, your friend, 50, was it 52 years old? Passed away. Uh, Keith, no, Toby Keith, uh, gospel singer, 60, I think, 62, 62 years old. Uh, not a gospel singer, a country western singer. <laughs> I get the two confused. I, he did give a testimony about receiving Christ as his personal Savior, which I'm grateful and thankful because I'd like to go to a Toby Keith concert when he leaves out certain songs. I, I, I think that would be a fun thing to do in heaven. So, but, but people die. Young people die. Old people die. Middle-aged people die. It's, it's reality. Uh, every race, every nationality, every uh, social class, it makes no difference who you are. You die. Steve Jobs died young multi-billionaire or whatever, died young. You may not even achieve three score and 10, or you may live to be 100 years old. 
Blackaby, 90, 93 years old. Henry Blackaby died just recently. Uh, yesterday? Yesterday. Uh, so we, we never know. Uh, but, but tell them, look, you are a sinner. You're lost. And guess what? You're going to die. And when you die, you stand before God. Then thirdly, <clears throat> tell them that Jesus died for them in their place. Romans 5, 8, and 9, but God commended or proved his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. He is the way we get forgiven and get saved. <clears throat> I like to use the illustration, if, if you were to get a ticket uh, and, and the judge says, okay, you pay this fine or you're going to have to be locked up till someone pays it. And so they start to take you off and lock you up, which they don't do anymore. So it kind of ruins the illustration. But uh, let's suppose you were doing 110 miles an hour and got pulled over. Uh, then they would lock you up uh, and probably wouldn't help if someone paid your fine at that point. So I've just blown the whole illustration. But let's Back up with me a little bit. You get a ticket and you stand before the judge. Judge says you either have to pay this ticket. By the way, I understand that tickets are really ridiculously expensive now. $1,000, $1,200, $1,500, whatever. I do not know that from personal experience. However, the pure grace of Almighty God, I will tell you that. But there was a time when you had to pay it or you would get locked up for a few days to pay for that. So it's like if all of a sudden... Uh, uh, Andy comes in and says, I want to pay the fine. And the judge says, well, you're not the one that was guilty of this crime. He says, that's okay. I want to pay the fine. If Andy pays the fine for you, you get to go home. Jesus paid a fine much worse than any kind of monetary fine that we could ever have. It was as if, now this is hard to imagine. It was as if Jesus took upon himself every sin I've ever committed, every sin you've ever committed, every sin everybody in this world has ever committed. It's as if he did those things. It's as if he said those things. It's as if he saw and, and, and thought those things, those disgusting things that we don't want anyone to know about. He took those upon himself as, as, as our substitute. In, in the Old Testament, Isaiah described it this way, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of man. He's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, nailed for our sins, crowned with thorns for our sins, beat until his black was, was bloody and, and, and ribbons of flesh hanging from it for our sins. Uh, the spear thrust through his, uh, his breast into his heart for our sins. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And guess what? With his stripes, we are healed because all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, not in personal defense. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened up, opened not his mouth. Sin Sin is what kills us. 
Sin is what killed Jesus. He had no sin of his own. He would never have died if he hadn't bore your sins and mine. We are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22. There were three men, three crosses in one hill. One man cursed, one man prayed, and one man promised. One died condemned, another died forgiven, and the third died innocent. One died in sin, one died to sin, and one died for sin. One was held by death, one was freed from death, and the other conquered death. One lost his life, one gained his life, and one was and is life. Because of his sacrifice, we have life. So they've, all of us have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We're, we're all lost. We are going to die one day. Jesus already paid the price for our sins. What's the last thing they need to believe? Tell them they can be saved by believing in Jesus and confessing him as Lord and Savior. In Romans 10, 9 through 11, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. In fact, in verse 13 of Romans 10, it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Paul clarifies this a little bit in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of your works, not of yourselves, rather it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're not saved by our good work. I'm not saved because I'm a preacher. I'm not saved because I help little old ladies across the street. I'm not saved because I try to be a good dad. I'm not saved because I try to be a good neighbor. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, Galatians 2, 16, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in him that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. We can't buy our salvation. We can't negotiate our salvation. We can't earn our own salvation. If you get baptized, you get baptized every day of the week for the next 10 years. It will not save you. Church membership will not redeem you. The last rites will not help you get into heaven. And going to an earthly priest for forgiveness or an earthly preacher for forgiveness won't do it. You've got to go to Almighty God. For there's one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. The last thing is this. Tell them you'll pray with them and, get the, and, and see if they won't pray. And, re, and if they say, well, I, I don't know how to pray, say so you, you, you can repeat after me. Just be sincere. Just mean what you say or don't, or don't say it at all. And then tell them, I believe that I'm a sinner. I believe I'm going to die and stand before God. I believe Christ died for me. I believe he was crucified for my sins, buried and rose again. And I believe if I confess with my mouth and, and, and believe in my heart, that I can be saved and lead them in that kind of a prayer. And if they say, well, I, I want to do that, but I, I don't want to do it right now, the need is urgent. Today is the day of salvation according to the word of God. And then pray with them. And tell them they can be sure of having eternal life because the Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. 
And also John 3.36 says, anyone who believes in God's Son has present tense possession, eternal life. Hey, I already have eternal life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you already have eternal life. You say, well, preacher, how come I keep getting old? Or, or how come you keep getting old, I mean? Uh, it's because this body is aging, but our spirit is already redeemed. Our spirit's going to dwell with Christ forever and ever and ever. So here's my challenge to you, members of First Baptist Church today, visitors of First Baptist Church today. On the table right here by the sound booth, there, there are several things. There are several tracks. There's one, how to get to heaven from Coronado. I promise you people will be interested in that. They may not be believers. They may not care anything about the Lord at this point, but just the title, How to Get to Heaven from Coronado, is going to give you an opportunity to give them a track. And maybe start out, if you're, if you're not used to witnessing for the Lord, maybe you start out just giving it to them and say, hey, read this over and, and let me know later on what you think of it. Maybe that's all you do. Or maybe you go ahead and read it to them. I don't know, how, whatever you're comfortable with, but take some of those and utilize it. Also on that back table is my, one of my favorite things that I use for restaurants all the time. And it's get out of hell free card. It's like the, the sorry cards from uh, Monopoly game, except it's, instead of get out of jail free, it's get out of hell free. And on the back, it's got some of these verses I just shared with you. So, so whenever I leave a good tip, I leave, don't, don't, don't leave one of those tracks and don't give them a tip. If you're go, not going to leave a tip, give them a track from the Catholic Church or the Methodist Church or something like that. Don't. I don't, want, I don't want First Baptist Church to have a bad name. So give them a generous tip. I, try, I aim for 20% most of the time. If it was good, if it was bad, I aim for 20%. If the food was, uh, was awful, I, I aim for 20%. I, I don't blame the waiter or the waitress for that. Uh, and if they were inattentive, I'd still give them 20%. So it's just kind of what I do. But then I give them the track. And I have only had one person ever who refused to take them. And I have had many who've come back and say, can I have another one of those? I got a friend who needs to have this. And, and so, uh, so take some of those. Also back there are some of the comic tracks, a little more lighthearted, um, uh, best friend, bedtime, several for kids there and teenagers. Uh, there's one about Israel, loving Israel. On the track rack, you may not even know, over by the donuts, because when you get over there in the donut section, you kind of zone in, I know. But sometime look over to the left uh, and then look back to the donuts. And, and, and the, dra- the track rack there has several. Those four spiritual laws, has Romans Road of Salvation, lots of them. But make it a habit to start getting the Word of God out and, and make it a habit to try to, when you have the opportunity uh, to talk to people about the Lord and their relationship with the Lord, get out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, have, have you ever... Put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. One that some people criticize, I still think it's a good one. Do you know if you died today, you'd be in heaven tonight? Do you know that? Most people, even if they are Christian, most people say, I'm not sure. Because they haven't been taught the doctrine of eternal security. When you get born again, just like that little baby back here, that baby was born that baby cannot be unborn. That baby is born. It has life. It has, it has physical parents. So when we get born again into the family of God, we have a heavenly father. We cannot be unborn. So, but that's a whole different point. So uh, get some of those tracks. Pass them out. Also on the back table, 
uh, right by the sound booth. There's some blue bags. If you receive Christ as your personal Savior or you're not certain about that, grab one of those bags. There's a book in there, Because I'm Saved, and, and go through that and see if you, what your next step is. But, but I'm encouraging you to witness to your Jerusalem, to your Judea, to your Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the whole world. Would you bow your heads with me? Now, I've just given you, it's taken longer. You won't take this long to give out these, these main four points when you're talking to a friend. But I, I took the whole half hour or so to share this with you because it could be you're here this morning. And before you need to be planting the gospel seed, you need to believe it. You need to receive it. You need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart, come into your life, and to help you to be born again. And so just like I'm going to ask, I did a moment ago ask you to pray with people. I'm going to pray with you right now. And if it's your desire to know for sure your sins are forgiven and you are, received, have, are saved, then I want you to pray this prayer. I want you to say something like this. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that all sin comes short of the glory of God. I know I'm going to die one day and I'm going to stand before you. But I'm not ready yet. I need to have my sins forgiven. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son, Father. I believe he died on that cross and he was buried and I believe he rose again. And so I call upon you, Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Be my savior. Be my God. Be my master. I trust you right now as sincerely as I know how. With every head bowed for another minute, I won't sneak up on you like the cheerleader did. It's between you and the Lord. But if you just prayed that prayer and you were sincere and mean it with all your heart, would you hold your hand up real high for just a moment? Hold it up real high as a testimony. God bless you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you. Put your hands down other than these. Anyone else? Anyone else? You didn't put your hand up at first, but you, you say, Preacher, I just prayed that prayer, and I meant it as best I know how to mean it. I was sincere as I know how to be. Anybody else? Anybody else? God bless you, my friend. God bless these four people in particular. We're concerned enough that they did raise their hand. And Father, I pray for each of them that they would find assurance of salvation in the fact that if they have prayed and asked Christ to be their Lord, Master, and Savior, and they've been sincere about it, that you forget we, we, we get saved by grace through faith, not because of some feeling, not because of a warmness that shoots through our body or electricity that goes up and down our spine. We get saved by grace through faith in what Jesus did for us. So thank you for that, Father. And now we pray we would prepare our hearts for the Holy Communion, seated at your table, remembering in detail what you did for us, O oh God in heaven. Thank you for loving us so much. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're one of those who raised your hand or you prayed that prayer but didn't raise your hand, pick up one of those blue bags on that back table, take it home, and if I can do anything to help you out, I'd be glad to. We're going to ask that if you did not receive the elements yet, that you would raise your hands up, and we have uh, folks who are going to be going through the auditorium, and they'll go ahead and give you the unleavened bread and the fruit of the vine so that you can partake 
And, and you're welcome to partake if you've received Christ as your personal Savior. It's an act of, of fellowship and communion, not only with the Lord, but with each other as fellow believers in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. The Last Supper, as we know it to be called, was observed in that upper room when Jesus took the elements of the Passover table and began using those as illustrations. Two of the elements in particular, the bread and the cup. So I'm going to ask that the praise team lead us in a verse, and you take this opportunity. The Bible says, let everyone examine their own heart. Take this as an opportunity to confess anything that needs to be confessed to the Lord and to make things right as they lead us in song. table were many different elements. The one in particular was the unleavened bread. It goes back to when Israel was delivered from slavery from Egypt. They were told to prepare the dough but not to put leaven in it because they would be leaving right away. It wouldn't be time for it to rise. And we learned later on from scripture that leaven is a type of sin. And as leaven or yeast permeates the dough when you're making breads and so on, so sin has so permeated all of society that every single one of us are contaminated by sin. So Jesus, in referring to his own body, chose the unleavened bread. His body was totally without sin. And as they were eating, Jesus took the bread unleavened, and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. Our Father, we have given to your disciples here this unleavened bread, symbolic of the body of our Savior who was totally without sin, innocent in that respect, never having sinned one time, perfect in the sacrifice, the Lamb of God without blemish or without spot. Blessed to our body's nourishment, to our spirit's existence, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. He said, take eat, this is my body. Next, he took the cup. The cup, I believe, is unleavened as well. It was, I believe, new wine, which is the juice from the vine. Specifically, I was reading in my devotions this week, and it talked about the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and it talked about 
that leaven would not be found in anything during the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. Not in anything. In order to have alcoholic drink, there has to be a leaven, some kind of yeast, some kind of an introduction. And so I believe that Jesus took what was new wine, the fruit of the vine, freshly squeezed, and he held it up as a type of his blood that was shed, and he gave thanks. Father, for this cup, we thank you for the willingness of our Savior to not shed his blood. That implies something incidental to an injury, but rather to pour his blood out, an act of his will. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so, Father, thank you for the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the way to the cross and on the cross so that we might have everlasting life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, drink ye all of it. The Bible says they went out into the Mount of Olives at that point. They sang a song first, and so our way of dismissing this communion service is to join hands as much as possible, as much as you're comfortable with it, and sing together as the praise team leads us. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for sending your son to die for us on the cross.